Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller, with Chris Howard, Vice President of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Chris, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much for having me. And Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Engineering of the U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Dan, welcome back to the program as well. Thank you for having us. The IT Innovation Insider is a monthly discussion where we explore a wide range of issues around IT modernization, cloud computing, data center optimization and consolidation, and so much more. And we hear from you and your colleagues at, at Nutanix and other experts. Today, our topic is how agencies are buying and using technology, specifically the cloud. And since 2010, when the Obama administration launched the Cloud First policy, the momentum of applications and systems moving to public, private, and hybrid cloud services has been growing. Eight years after the Cloud First policy, agency spending on cloud computing surged to $4.1 billion, according to an analysis from Bloomberg government. BGov says cloud spending grew by 9% among civilian agencies and almost by 30% among defense agencies in fiscal years 2017 to fiscal year 2018. The growth curve is expected to continue on the upward climb as the Trump administration finalizes its cloud smart strategy, as well as new contracts for common back office cloud services and shared services. At the same time, there's a host of challenges to consuming cloud services in a way that's accessible and immediate. And that's where you guys come in. So let me turn to Chris Howard, the vice president of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Discuss what's driving this move to the cloud beyond the policies, of course, but also how our agencies need to change that consumption model as well. Obviously, we have to start with cloud first and data center modernization and the consolidation effort because that just brought to the top of mind that we had to do something around how we consume and deploy IT infrastructure. What people have realized, I think, over, over time is that they really like the consumption of the cloud. They may not like a particular cloud as much as another cloud. They may like on-prem better, but there is no doubt that they want to consume the technology different. And that's brought a lot of different contracts to the forefront. It's also let customers with different colors of money. So if they have more operations and expense money, they can they can take advantage of some of these managed services or cloud consumption-based models. So we as a company, we're trying to stay ahead of it and we offer the customers a lot of different choice. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what we're trying to do is just bring the characteristics of the cloud to wherever it is that the customer is going to deploy those IT assets, whether it's in their own data center, a contractor-owned data center, a public cloud company. The consumption model is what's important and I think we've done a good job, and I'm sure we'll touch on some specifics around that as we uh, get further into the conversation. Before I bring Dan into it, just quickly, when you talk about the characteristics of the cloud, what are when we think of the cloud, it's everywhere, it's anywhere. <laughs> but when you say characteristics, what do you mean? I think uh, speed to market. So one of the benefits of, of the cloud that we've realized, and everyone could probably vouch to this, is that when you want an application or a workload uh, spun up in the cloud, it's very it's very easy. It's it's fast to market. In your on-prem, you would have to order the hardware and the software and have teams come in and deploy it. So the agility and the speed to bring those applications so that the users can access them is, is one of those characteristics. Uh, another characteristic is how you consume it and how you pay for it, right? So it's on a consumption-based model where you pay for what you use and that's it. And if you turn off that consumption, then you no longer have an expense to pay. I think there's also resiliency because the cloud has multiple different locations. You could be accessing one today, one tomorrow, but at the, at the end of the day, if something happens to one of them, then it's resilient enough. So those are just a few of the characteristics. You know, as we built out our our pitch to industry and a pitch to the government, there's probably 10 or 12 that we focus on, but those are probably the three top ones. Dan, let me bring you into the discussion as well. Talk a little bit about, from your perspective, the, how agencies 
as they're moving to the cloud, how they think about the, the consumption models? I think it's the uh, change to the buy the drip model. So the ability to consume only the resources they need versus traditional IT where you're buying a bunch of upfront gear using typically CapEx dollars that may sit unused till the project takes off. So that's a big benefit. And you know, one reason a lot of times developers or the develop, DevOps org is the first into the cloud um, because they have those agile projects that can take advantage of this model where you are only consuming the resources exactly what you need and then you spin it down when you're done. I think where we've seen you know some struggles is where more traditional applications are shifted over without really a change in their operating model. And then you're consuming, you know, in this consumption model, which think of it like a utility meter, it's running 24-7 in the cloud. And they realize that, oh, this is, you know, costly. It's, we haven't changed the underlying uh, app to be cloud, cloud native. So we can't turn it off. It's always running. And that's where you get, start to look at the model of, all right, where do the economics make sense? You know, maybe we want a consumption model, a service model, but we do it in a different sense rather than the public cloud or the utility models 24-7. That's actually a great point because there is definitely the bait that still happens in our community about lift and shift. You just get it to the cloud and then fix it. And what you're saying is, whoa, whoa, if you put it to the cloud, you're going to find that your expenses may be not just the same, but it could be a lot more. When you talk to customers in the federal market, when you talk to agencies, do they get that dynamics have changed? That at one point, yeah, maybe we were all about lift and shift, but today it's really about is your app ready? And if it's not ready, when can you make it ready? Because that's really the, where the, the efficiencies and effectiveness will come in. You know, as a cloud trend, you mentioned we're almost a decade in, there are a lot of lessons learned being accumulated. And what we've done a couple market surveys over the last couple of years, and it's interesting. These are independent surveys of government agencies. And you see there's um, the agencies that have been in the cloud longer have the responses where they're not as heavily focusing on growth in the cloud. They're focusing, they're kind of coming back to the middle point of more of a hybrid model, more of a cloud smart model following the the new policy that's being formed. So it's it's interesting. I think it, it takes, even though agencies hear these lessons learned and it's starting to get broader, it, it kind of takes, you got to learn it yourself before uh, before you feel, fully embrace. And there there's a big need for, there, I think there's a, a lack of cost controls. So they're more and more products coming out to get better cost visibility. But in the early days, you just put your put your apps up there, and then you're getting a bill from Amazon, Microsoft, 30, 30 days after the fact, and that's when you're like, oh, this is going to blow my budget. So you need you need it up front, and you need to be able to monitor that in real time so you can control the cost and take action quickly. Chris, I feel like Dan just described my teenagers. Uh, <laughs> they won't listen to what you said. They have to learn it themselves. As agencies are learning to themselves, how is Nutanix and what are you, what's your message to them about that process? You can tell them, hey, don't just lift and shift, but what are you hearing? Well, first thing we like to do is just take a look at the applications, right? We, we, we want to look at the applications that burst and have, say, seasonality or end-of-month times where – they may require double the resources. Those are absolutely perfect candidates for for, for what we consider the public cl- cloud usage. Um, steady state applications that you use just to run your business, they're consistent, they're stable, you, you, you know exactly how to design them. 
We see them looking at those, and if they haven't moved them to the cloud, then it's just about readjusting the infrastructure so it's more seamless. But I agree 100% with Dan. A lot of the, the, the customers that we talk to, their intentions are good and their users, are they have good intentions. But when you can just spin up an application in the cloud and you don't really right size it, nor do you know if it's going to be running 24-7, can I spin that application down? Um, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of different variables. So we try to get into in front of the customer up front just because – we want them to make lessons learned, but we want them to do it without a ton of impact, whether that's financial or time or SLAs. And so I think the more you address this up front, the better. And, and we're constantly in front of customers and we're all for cloud adoption. We just think that there's many, many different usage models within that cloud adoption. Dan, just real quick from your perspective, when you, since you have the title of, of director of engineering, they're going to look at you and say, well, can that, how, how do I make sure that application's ready for the cloud? Or, or when you look at certain applications, do you, ever, do you ever have to say to a customer, yeah, I'm not sure that's a great fit? There's a lot of um, money going into app rationalization. So that is a major undertaking. I think, you know, part of what agencies can do is get the small wins move the apps that are easy, like the, the external facing things, web servers, emails, a, a classic one, you know, software as a service that a lot of agencies are already embracing that it's, it's easy to adopt. You're not rewriting code, but then when you get into the apps that are on servers, still physical, or even on old mainframes, you're, you're, you know, that that's going to be a huge undertaking, huge code. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of budget dollars that's going to require. So those are kind of the ones you leave for last. Um, I think they're, is a growing trend towards moving to containers when you're doing the cloud migration, but that does introduce extra complexity. So do you want to fully embrace cloud native containers like Google does and Amazon does a lot of, or do you want to kind of take it a step at a time? And I think you want to get the early wins, get things into the cloud, and then look at those bigger apps and maybe look at that in the sense of cloud native. So. One of the themes I hear from a lot of CIOs is that apps rationalization issue. So I think that's uh, I think you're right that they're starting to look at okay, what's it going to take me to, to to modernize and then and then kind of look at the cloud. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever to technology stack suits them, and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests, Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix, and Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Engineering for U.S. Public Sector, also for Nutanix. Before break, we were talking about the consumption model and, and the move to the cloud. And it's, again, we understand the why and we understand the how agencies are starting to get there and, and have been getting there over the last, you know, six, seven, eight years. But we're also starting to see a, a 
if you will, a new branch coming off that tree of cloud. And that's really this idea of we can't always own it all. And in fact, a lot of agencies don't want to own it all. So let me start with Chris. When we talk about consumption models, what are you starting to see? How are agencies saying we can procure cloud services or any IT services much differently than in the past? Yeah, I think there's a couple common trends that we're seeing, and, and you named them already. I mean, in, in addition to just cloud, and that could be public-facing cloud or it could be your on-prem private cloud, uh, the consumption models can be the same. But I think the managed services and the shared services are, are the next two biggest that we're seeing. We did a, a roundtable the other day, and almost every CIO in the room across the federal government, and there was about 10 or 12 in the room, were, were looking at some sort of managed service or shared service. You had a lot of smaller agencies where they have bigger counterparts that have invested a lot of money in IT and are starting to you know, host other applications and workloads from these agencies. So whether it's – I think the main trend is that they, they all think that they want out of the hardware business – and there's a couple different ways to do that, right? And that doesn't mean just lift and shift to the public cloud. The managed services can be accomplished in a lot of different ways. That can be done on-prem at the customer site. It can be done in a colo. It can even be done in the cloud. So I think it's all about just how you consume and what color of money that's that makes most sense for you. A lot of people um, are, are more flush with the, the OPEX money versus the CAPEX money, and that's a big driver. But at the end of the day, I think the main message is clear that people want out of the data center business, but that does not automatically mean a lift and shift into the public cloud. It can still mean a lot of different things. You brought this up before, the color of money. And I think that's a, it's a term of art in the government. Right. O- only in the government <laughs> do we talk color of money. And, and really what you're meaning there is whether we're talking about one-year money, two-year money, no-year money, and then you're also OPEX versus CAPEX. Correct. And why is the OPEX model maybe easier to deal with this managed service than the CAPEX model? Or maybe it's not easier, but maybe that's where agencies need to go because that's where their money is. You know, at the end of the day, the, the OPEX money is spent on uh, maintaining I- existing or legacy systems. So it's it's usually meant for taking care of what is 70% of the government's budget. But the managed services, you know, you pay it based on consumption or it could be monthly, quarterly. And that falls into the bucket of, the, of being able to utilize that OPEX uh, expenditures, basically. Dan, jump in. The other thing with typically O&M dollars are easier to get when you undergo a, a CR, like we've seen in, in many, many recent years, uh, pretty much every year, and that caps their budget. So they're not able to make big capital expenditures. So they're just getting the O&M dollars. So, and that, I mean, that is a benefit of the subscription model, the consumption model. Um, where those are the bills that they can pay when they're under a CR. And that's that's why a lot of big IT projects have been delayed when the budget's not passed. They can't move forward with the capital projects. They can't make any new expenditures. So I think that is one of the benefits that people look at. Now, the challenge is a lot of people are still in the, the old mindset of, of creating contracts for as-a-service models where they need to kind of shift to more of a consumption model versus paying up front for an as-a-service or committing to longer terms. You know, you really want it to be so you could turn it off at any time and you're not committing the government to five-year terms. You're doing it more monthly or maybe a year at a maximum. And that's the main difference between the two models here. We're talking about as-a-service, which I think you just said, and consumption. As-a-service means that what? Help me define that because when I hear as-a-service, I think cloud, as-a-service, consumption, pay by the drink. But you're maybe meaning something a little different. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's probably easy to interchange them. I think uh, consumption maybe more applies to the finance side or as a services, the technical side, describing that you now have an IT device. You're not owning the IT device, normally not doing maintenance on it. That is given to a vendor or a um, integrator. So 
you know, you have a data center as a service where you don't have to worry about the service hard, but, server hardware. But I may be paying all my money up front where I'm saying to you as Nutanix, here's my $5 million, take care of my data center. And well, if, if I only use $2 million worth of that, that data center, who cares? You guys have just made a really nice profit. <laughs> Do yeah. I... We'll bring make Chris answer that one. Do I have that right, Chris? Yeah, that, that <laughs> is that a nice that, profit? That, that is correct. <laughs> but that is one of the pitfalls that I think is important to talk about is that, you know, no matter what kind of contract you enter into, if it's a managed service, is a, is a shared service, you still want to make sure that you have the flexibility to make change. Uh, you don't want to be locked into something for five or 10 years that maybe doesn't uh, give you the same level of innovation or cost protection. So no matter what you go into and the consumption model generally allows it, it allows you to turn it off and pivot when you have to. And so I think that is the key takeaway on what would make a successful uh, contract, whether it's a shared service, managed service, or cloud contract. You just can't get uh, locked in without the ability to innovate or or pivot at, at will. But Dan, it's it's not so easy to shift. Everyone wants to say, yeah, with the cloud, you can just go from cloud one to cloud two to cloud three. That's not the case. So where Chris says don't get locked in, a lot of agencies probably feel like I am locked in because I don't want moving my data is such a, a pain. Is is that the case or or is there a way to kind of solve that issue too? Yeah, there's obviously a technical challenge there. I think it's important to Chris's point, you don't want to lock yourself in through the financial or contractual obligations. So you need to be thinking about that up front. But then there's a, the whole technical side and kind of the nirvana of cloud, being able to move your apps and data in between any of the public cloud providers back to on-prem if there's a you know, sensitivity security issue, or maybe you realize it's more efficient, more economical on-prem. So that is where you're seeing all the um, big vendors kind of lining up to, all right, is that we have our single stack and then there are others, you know, like Nutanix, looking taking the agnostic approach. We want to support people in every cloud. Um, so you got to, you know, think through that technically before you jump in. So we're really talking about two things here, Chris. Right? We're talking about the technical side, and then we're also talking about lock-in from a contractual side. Contractual side. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit more details about what that means by lock-in from a contractual side. It's more than just who owns the data, though. That's an important piece. Yeah. Um, so I, I can give a couple examples, and I won't use any names, but in the in the the hardest part about going to the, the public cloud is not getting there. It's coming out of it, right? And so, and, and like Dan said, that's a technical issue, so to speak, but you can still build in the financial aspects of that up front. But there's other um, entities out there that do um, cloud-based hosting, but it's offered by the government where they do give the flexibility to turn off and migrate out. They're not doing uh, anything special to the data, so it's really not cloud-native, but it still gives people the flexibility. So, but it is definitely two challenges. You have the financial side, which we can all play a part in the technical side. It's going to take another you know, couple years until we can figure out that utopia of being able to move applications from one cloud to the other. I think you know, we at Nutanix, we look at trying to abstract all of those different layers. So we, you know, we want to be the management, whether it's on-prem, in the cloud, in a colo, it doesn't matter. We just want to be that management plane and give you visibility to the cost and ROI and TCO of it, but also the the metrics around SLAs, whether that's uh, you know uptime or whatever the customer sets. So you just want that flexibility built in. Um, but I agree, it is two separate conversations, and they are both wildly different. We've talked about managed services, and, and the other piece of this is shared services. And I don't want to go into too much of the weeds in this, but is shared services, managed services, I know they're not the same thing, but do they have the same basic sets of challenges when it comes to managing the expectations, managing the cloud piece to it, maybe, Chris? 
Absolutely. I mean, a shared service is simply where you have an entity that is willing to let other entities come in and, and host host their gear or their applications. The customer that is putting their their technology in there is generally still responsible for everything above the the hypervisor or above the application. So there's still a, they still have to manage a lot of IT. Um, but the, the the consumption risks, the financial risks, they're all the same regardless of which one. Um, but that's why it's important for the customer to know exactly what they want up front and they and and draw a line and say. I will come to your your facility or your cloud, but uh, I have to have an exit path uh, available to me up front. And you need to understand that up front because if you wait till after the fact, it can be very problematic and expensive. And, and we've seen that. I can think of a couple of examples already in the government where that's happened. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, we can uh, finish up our conversation where we uh, touch upon uh, get you guys and give some advice to what agencies can do. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Eight years after the Federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling costs, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests are Chris Howard, the Vice President of the U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix, Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Engineering for U.S. Public Sector, also for Nutanix. In the last segment, we talked a lot about the change in consumption models, such as managed services, and we just touched upon shared services towards the end of that segment. Dan, let me just go back to shared services with you for a second, because one of the things around shared services is, yes, it's similar, but it's not the same. And sometimes the agencies who are providing these shared services, and sometimes the vendors are, are making the, I'll call them the, they haven't broken the habit of how they're delivering services. Talk a little bit about what agencies should keep in mind as they are starting to look at shared services as well. Yeah, and I typically think of shared service of being more of a government provided to other government agencies. That seems to be how the term's used most often. It was interesting, the motivation from the larger agencies to host shared services is always obviously there for uh, them to expand their scope of what they can offer and their IT capability. But we did a, a luncheon, a CIO luncheon earlier this week where the, a lot of smaller agencies that were saying they, they want to take advantage of it because they're not big enough. There's, you know, have to be more efficient. The competition of the cloud, what we've been talking about, these IT groups have to get more efficient and do more with less. They're not increasing their staff and they just want to farm out a lot of the simple stuff, the, you know, the standard IT, the office, the servers, just get it as a shared service. I think the challenge is those, those big organizations need to look at a way they can do that to support a variety of workloads and really be dynamic, you know, not only virtual machines, but containers, you know, be able to host traditional applications as well as the newer stuff that developers are working on and, and be integrated into DevOps types of uh, CICD pipelines, all the stuff that's, you know, drive, driving agile development. And I think a lot of the shared services, the agency took their IT org and kind of shared that out versus really looking at an innovative approach to make sure it was dynamic. So really at the end of the day, they need to be able to compete with the public cloud and be as 
agile as a public cloud. There's a whole road we could go down, a highway <laughs> of shared services challenges. But instead of spending the rest of the show on that, let, let me just though turn to Chris about shared services for a second as well. And are there things that you should keep in mind as they move to shared services that maybe are different than just that, that idea of managed services? I think at the end of the day, the, the the results you want are the same, right? They want their IT to be on. They want complete uptime. They want resiliency. So I think no matter if you go to the cloud, managed services, or shared services, the outcomes you want are the same. I think the, the contractual nature of them are different. What's most important is that for the customer that is consuming the technology, they want the agility or they should require the agility um, not only to pivot to new technologies, but allow diversity in their ecosystem so they, they can have competition, drive down costs, drive down innovation. The problem that you get into with a lot of the managed services and the shared services is that you don't necessarily have a whole lot of choices around technology. Um, it's similar to the cloud. When you go to the cloud, you don't care what the hardware is or the software. You just want it to be more like a, a consumption from a, from lights at your home. You turn the light switch on, you want it to come on. So I think, I think the SLAs are, are, are the same across all three of those. Um, but from a contracting side, it's just, you have to have the flexibility and the agility to move out when you want, turn down services and be able to consume new innovative technologies. So contractually, that's where I think this is the most difficult part of this process. I think technically we can overcome a lot of the the, the problems or, or, or underpinnings that have caused problems in the past. Contractually is where we get locked into these bad type of agreements where 10 years and $10 billion, that shouldn't be said in the same breath. Are there any examples you'd point to that agencies are doing or or even private sector customers are doing well or other public sector customers are doing well, whether it's managed or shared or straight cloud, anything comes to mind? There's a number of DOD entities that we uh, that we work with and a lot of customers put their applications in. I think they have the right model. I think they're still going through the innovation curve and trying to figure out some of the consumption kind of models so it mimics more of the cloud. But yeah, I think there are several examples on the DOD side at the Pentagon and at DISA. I think they have both spent a lot of time. They've got a lot of lessons learned. Um, so years and years of, of practice has made them come up with some really good offerings. And there's, they're definitely looking at the innovation curve because they're in business to support their customers. And if their customers go elsewhere, then that's going to have a problematic effect on them long-term. Dan, also from your perspective, when you talk to customers and, and the, the successful ones are doing what right versus the unsuccessful ones or the ones that have more problems, what are they doing wrong? A lot of times, you know, going back to the whole idea of capital expenditures, uh, the government they're recapping things every year, and when they get the dollars, they want to spend them all, you know, do these big bang projects. And a lot of times, especially in this new era of cloud where things can be more bite-sized and modular, the ones that kind of take it a step at a time and, and get the early wins, learn as they go versus try to boil the ocean, have have a little more success. Do you, do you still actually see agencies are trying to the big bang theory? Chris is shaking his head, yes. Really? <laughs> every day. <laughs> and I have to say that surprises me because every CIO I talk with, every time you go to a conference, exactly what Dan said about don't boil the ocean, don't eat the apple in one bite, you know, all the things that Mark Foreman was saying 15 years ago, 20 years ago, seems to be what everyone's repeating. But but then when the RFPs and RFQs come out, is that where you're seeing the, the biggest, like, really, you want to do all of that at once? Chris? We see it every day. And it's not across just one vertical within the federal government. I mean, it's across all of them. Some organizations are just uh, continuing to go down the path that they've gone down for many, many years. They've bought a particular way. They've supported it a particular way. 
and change is difficult, and they haven't really embraced some of the new the new models that are out there. So yeah, unfortunately, we do we see it every day. Uh, gentlemen, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So first of all, let me thank my guests, Chris Howard, the Vice President of the U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Engineering for the U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Dan, also thank you so much for coming back. Thank you. You've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I've been your host, Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Keyword, NTNX.